This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, February 16th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we are going to talk about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. I was so used to saying gather around the virtual water cooler that I almost uh, screwed up that intro, Brad. But um, it's been a while since you and I have done just a pure news episode. But there's a a few things that I wanted to talk about that that sort of broke uh, over the past 24 hours or so that I thought were were worth getting into. So uh, the first of which is a story about uh, Poker Face, the Ryan Johnson uh, led or I guess he he co-created the show with Natasha Lyonne, who, who plays the lead in the show. This series is getting a second season on Peacock. We don't really know much more about it than that. Um, I'm in the process of watching Poker Face, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. Uh, I was talking to you before we started recording, Brad, and you, you mentioned that you haven't seen it yet. Is this something that's like on your list, or do you really not have interest in this, or what? No, no, I definitely have interest in this. I just haven't had the time to dig into it yet. So I'm I'm definitely going to catch up here sometime in the near future because I've loved everything Ryan Johnson has done. Uh, I love Natasha Leone and I've heard nothing but good things about the show. Yeah, I'm a massive Ryan Johnson fan. I really love the first season, especially of... Um of Russian Doll and and Natasha Leone has been great in a lot of things, but I thought that was like her real sort of like big breakout moment. I, I wasn't as big of a fan of season two. Um, Poker Face is interesting. Like I love the concept of it. Like it's supposed to be this throwback to sort of Columbo style, uh, you know, almost case of the week type of thing where this character has this um, like supernatural sense almost of, of, uh, basically calling bullshit on pe- on people she can tell when they're lying so that's the premise is she's just sort of driving around the country um on uh, sort of trying to escape from her past a little bit and every episode is just her rolling into a new town and dealing with a new situation i love the format i love the setup i like the idea of being dropped into these different worlds there's something about the show though that doesn't always click with me like my wife and i are watching it and we watched i think we've seen seven episodes so far and like I think I've really only loved the pilot, which Ryan Johnson directed. And then the other one, or the other episodes, I think were all uh, written and directed by, a, you know, a writer's room and, and stable of directors that he sort of pulled together for the show. Um, and there's just something missing from it. I'm not entirely sure what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I need to uh, I need to really dig into my feelings on Poker Face and see if I can um, 
more eloquently talk about my my issues with it. I wonder how our listeners are feeling about the show because everything that I've seen online is like rave reactions all the time. And I'm like, man, I, I wish I could sort of unabashedly love this show the way that everybody seems to. And I'm, I still like it enough to keep watching it, but there's just something about it that just feels like it's not quite clicking all the way. So anyway, just wanted to get that out there about Poker Face. Uh, this story is really interesting, this next one. So How to Train Your Dragon is getting a live action adaptation in 2025, Brad. Um, Dean Dublois, Dublois, I'm not entirely sure how to say his last name. He uh, sort of oversaw all of the animated How to Train Your Dragon movies, but he is making his live action feature debut on a live uh, live action adaptation of of that first movie. Uh, What do you make of this, Brad? Uh, It feels really unnecessary to me. Uh, Like, I mean... None of the Disney live action movies have been particularly impressive. Uh, and as much as I love How to Train Your Dragon, I just feel like it's going to lose like some of it, a lot of its personality. You know, like I'm not sure that you can make Toothless uh, as lovable a character in live action. You mm-hmm. know, like uh, I'm sure they can figure out a way to make a, a dragon cute. I mean, like Pete's Dragon did a decent job with it, but like the 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 driving force of like toothless's personality just comes to life so much better in animation and there's 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 so much style in the character design and things like that and i just feel like you're you're removing so much of it by putting the story uh in live action you know obviously it has like an an, an epic uh scope to it you know and it can feel like a, maybe like a game of thrones for kids kind of thing uh mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know i'm i'm just not into this yeah i'm not either and and i think like if you look at the difference between the original Lion King and then the John Favreau quote unquote live action Lion King, that that's like all the uh, information you need, I think, to to sort of come to the same conclusions that you've just mentioned that, and that I've I've come to as well, where like the expressiveness of those characters in animation is the thing that that makes the movie, and like when you put it into this sort of ultra realistic live action style, um, you just lose the idea to have you know big. Uh, eyes wide open character expressions that would just look ridiculous in live action, but work perfectly in context of animation. Um, and that's where all the emotion and the heart and everything comes in. So it, it just, this is a baffling decision to me. I'm not sure why DreamWorks is deciding to do this now. Like, I guess this franchise is is super popular. I mean, they, they made what, three or four movies or something, right? So like, and, and they made a lot of money, but like, so did Shrek. So like, why are they not making a live action Shrek movie first? You know, like that's a, that's another franchise that uh, has made, I think over maybe multiple billions of dollars at this point, if you count all the spinoffs and everything. Um, what does, is it just because, the the main character of Shrek would have to be a full CG creation in a live action world, and that wouldn't make sense. I, do you have any any insight, Brad, or, or guesses as to like why they would pick this franchise of all the ones that they've made so far? I think simply because like it's the one that is probably the most accessible to do like something like this with. You know, I mean, uh, none of the other ones I think are easy to adapt in that live action way, and maybe they want to start off with something that can they can easily lend a feel of realism to it while still keeping like a sense of uh, fantasy that works on a family adventure level. You know, because like yeah. I can't imagine seeing something like Shrek or uh, Kung Fu Panda or something like that in a live action thing without it 
feeling like overwhelmingly weird at first. Yeah. Whereas I think it's easy to like imagine a fantasy setting where like there's Vikings and dragons and they live together in the same world and that kind of thing. Yeah, the the human protagonist element certainly helps with How to Train Your Dragon. But um, yeah, I'm just I I like those movies a lot. Um, and I know that Dean Dubois has been trying to uh, sort of transition into the live action space for a while. I think I feel like he was attached to at least one or two projects over the past few years that ended up not happening for whatever reason. But um, I'm just I'm. I guess on one hand, like I'm happy that he's involved with this because this has clearly been his baby from the beginning. And and I would hate to see DreamWorks sort of like coldly snatch it out of his hand and, and pass it on to somebody else. And just imagining him, you know, sitting on the sidelines and watching what somebody else does to this is kind of heartbreaking. But um, at the same time, I just like can't get over the, the idea that I just don't think this is like fundamentally a good idea. So we'll see how it goes uh, in 2025. We'll reconvene and, and talk about <laughs> the decisions and, and how this thing ended up. So uh, before we go any further, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc all right a couple more stories that we wanted to mention on today's show paramount plus is going to be raising its subscription prices i don't want to get into all the weeds of exactly how and why but um the, the very basics here i just wanted to do this as, as sort of like a uh, a PSA almost for people who subscribe to Paramount Plus, just so this doesn't completely take people by surprise. But the uh, ad-free version of Paramount Plus with Showtime, which I think is going to be uh, incorporated very, very soon, is going to um, go from $9.99 a month to $11.99 a month, so a $2 increase. And then the uh, quote-unquote essential plan, which is the one with ads, is just going to go up $1 from $4.99 a month to $5.99. So um, Ryan has actually, Ryan Scott has, has broken down why this is happening and, and some some of the larger context that, that people can know so and, and learn about. So I'm going to um, link to that note, or that article in the show notes so people can check that out if you want to get more insight into why that's happening. But uh, the real final story that we wanted to mention, the, the one that I feel like it's going to be our meatiest point of discussion is uh, the the plan over at Marvel Studios it seems to be changing a little bit. Brad, tell me about what's going on over there. Yeah, so there's some changes because Disney overall is kind of making some cuts across the board. They're going to be laying some people off here uh, imminently if they haven't already, and they're going to kind of be pulling back on their spending. Uh, like uh, like everybody else, it seems like they kind of uh, went a, a little all in on original streaming stuff too soon, and maybe it was a little uh, too much to handle and, uh, they can't really justify spending that much money continuing on to the future. So they're going to be pulling back on the frequency with which they are releasing Marvel studios, TV shows on Disney plus, and they'll be spaced out over a longer window. 
Uh, Kevin Feige himself addressed this and said that this is what would be happening in the future. Uh, and what that means is that basically some of the shows that were uh, intended for 2023 may not actually end up getting released this year. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter has a source telling them that as of right now, it sounds like only Loki Season 2 and Secret Invasion are the only shows that are absolutely locked in to be released in 2023, which means shows like uh, the sec second season of Hawkeye, the uh, spinoff series Echo, and uh, the second season of the animated series What If may not end up coming out this year. They could be uh, pushed back into um, the future, as well as uh, Ironheart. And a lot of these shows... Uh, are already done with production. And so they might be just be sitting around for a while, finalizing their episodes and figuring out when they're going to get released. So I feel like we've, we've um, hit this point of, uh, we hit it a little while ago, to be honest with you, of like and the MCU going like all in too much and like um, too many shows and too many movies a year to keep up with for, it, it basically has become a full-time job for people to uh, watch all this stuff and keep everything in 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 their minds at once if they want to keep up with what's going on with the MCU and and we were talking I think off mic yesterday or maybe the day before and you were sort of saying like you know that that's kind of part of it that's like part of the appeal almost of the Marvel Cinematic Universe right like that that's part of your position here is just like you know that you don't necessarily ding the MCU for that whereas a lot of people do because you sort of feel like it's um, it's part of the the whole experience right I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. Okay, <laughs> so I got that pretty pretty much right. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think about the idea of them sort of like pumping the brakes a little bit here? Like the the did have you been feeling a little bit of that burnout uh, of trying to keep up with all these shows and 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 uh, movies that have that have just been coming out at like an increased pace over the past few years? Are you happy to see them? say, okay, let's slow this down a little bit, spread some of these shows out so it's not like one into the next into the next? You know, for me, like, I'm, I'm a pretty big Marvel fan, and I think even even the stuff that people dislike, I still enjoy a little bit more. I, I definitely have my points of criticism and things that I will uh, gladly recognize that there are, have been missteps and flaws in, in movies and TV shows. Um, I do think that maybe it was just too much too soon, and things just happened so quickly that it felt overwhelming and i i think maybe the larger problem they have and it's one that i don't particularly agree with is that if they want this stuff to be accessible to general audiences then like all this interconnectivity and having all this stuff makes people think like they have to keep up with all these things in order to enjoy you know the movies or enjoy the anything else in the marvel cinematic universe and uh, I think that could be a detriment, you know, to general audiences. But as somebody who, you know, likes the interconnectivity and, you know, sees how unique it is, even as other studios try to replicate Marvel's formula, I don't mind that, like, it's stuff that you have to keep up with. Like, that's part of, like, the rewarding aspect of the MCU and something that no other franchise really has. And it's the same thing that, like, it's the same reason people love comic books. You know, they, they like they like keeping up with all these different threads and different, different stories. Granted, it's a little bit, um, I guess easier to like pick which stories and comics you want to follow because they're a little more isolated and you don't necessarily have to read all the other comics. Mm -hmm. um, but there is like that daunting aspect of like, well, gosh, what do I have to watch in order to watch, you know, the, this, this Ant-Man movie or to watch the next Guardians movie. But when you're dealing with multiple franchises in a larger franchise, like are like, do they really need to be worried about somebody who like wants to see Quantumania, but they haven't watched any of the other Ant-Man movies? Like, like, what are you doing? Why, why right. are you here? <laughs> yeah, I, I fully agree with that. I just feel like when it was just movies, I was able to handle this a lot better just on a, a personal level of like a, like a mental level of like, okay, I'm going to go see whatever, three or four Marvel movies a year and I'll, 
I'll be up to date. I'll know everything that I need to do. It's, you know, they're two, two hours, two and a half hours sometimes. And that's my, you know, once every few months or something, that's my sort of commitment to keep up with this ongoing project. As soon as they introduced the TV stuff, it just became exponential, the amount of stuff that you have to consume. Yeah. And because those shows aren't great, broadly speaking, um, it just feels like more of a slog and more of a chore to keep up with. I mean, all of those shows, every single one that I've seen, I have not seen all of What If, I think, oh, and I have not seen uh, all of She-Hulk yet, but I think I've caught up with all the other ones. Every show has its moments, has like good things about it, um, but there's so much sort of like, not dead air, but like uh, stuff that, that could have been trimmed. It, it really feels like those shows represent the sort of, um, realization that people have come to over the past few years of like, man, the streaming is not necessarily like, you know, all it was cracked up to be when it sort of feels like more like, um, you know, checking boxes in order to sort of meet corporate, uh, you know, criteria for sh- shareholders than it does actually like telling a creative story. Um, so broadly speaking, the quality of these shows and the, the movies recently has dipped to a level where it's, it's not as enjoyable for me anymore as it used to be to just like, you know, tap in a few times a year to go see the movies. So I I wonder if a lot of people are feeling that burnout because of the TV aspect. And if that's the case, then maybe this pumping the brakes thing is what the MCU needs to sort of get back on track and like give people a little bit of of a breather. And that's something we talked about, I think around the the, um, conclusion of the Star Wars trilogy in 2019, like maybe taking a little bit of a break from that will make Star Wars feel special again. So do you think that same kind of thing might be able to happen with the MCU? Uh, you know, I mean, I guess it's possible, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's such a weird time right now with, with like, just, I, I do. Part of me wonders if like, this is a unique feeling that, that people like us have because we have to keep up with so much media. And I want, like, I know that I've heard some general audience talk about there being too much Marvel stuff, but I, but like, I feel like for the people who are like engaged and like with it and everything like that, they don't necessarily feel that, that overwhelming problem. Um, so, so yeah, sorry to double back on that, but that's just something that I was thinking about. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I wonder like if, because, because the MCU is still like a big thing in culture, right? Like movies used to be the dominant force in culture and, and now it's, it's more, I guess, franchises and, and more has spun off into TV. So like for the average viewer, like, do they really only care that much about the MCU and like, maybe, you know, they have a few other shows on the side or something. And you're saying like, we we cover and pay attention to all these movies, all these shows, all this stuff. So like that, that makes sense to me, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. So, okay. So last thing, let's talk about the show that the shows that are actually going to come out uh, this year. Right. So, so you mentioned um, secret invasion and Loki season two. So that leaves Agatha coven of chaos. If that ends up, ends up being the house of Harkness, whatever the, the um, official title of that ends up being Um, Ironheart, you said uh, the Hawkeye spinoff Echo, um, the s- next round of What If, and was there another one that that maybe pushed out off the 2023 schedule? I think that was it. Uh, yeah, that, that was it. Okay, so of those shows, I know they have like a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline, but of those things, which one are you, um, you know, as, as a bigger MCU fan than I am, which one are you like disappointed that you're not going to be able to see this year if, if this ends up bearing out? 
Um, probably Ironheart, just because I did like the character's debut in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, and I think there's definitely some some potential there to see what she can do on her own. Uh, but I'm also still kind of like in a wait and see mode on that to see like if it's a story that's worth telling uh, in in television. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mostly enjoyed the Hawkeye series, so I'm interested to see what a second season uh, of of that is like. But I'm not necessarily uh, super pumped about the Echo spinoff as much yeah. as I think uh, Alakwa Cox was was great in that role. It's not a character that I know a lot about, and I'm not necessarily sure you know if it if it demands to be seen. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I think Ironheart is where I'm. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. Okay. Would you recommend that I go back and finish What If? I, I watched, I think, the first like two or three episodes and then just fell off. And then I was like, do I ever need to watch this? But based on what you've seen in, in the MCU so far and how the live action stuff has sort of uh, crisscrossed and incorporated some of the, the animated stuff, is that something you think I should actually do? No, um, I I didn't I don't didn't dislike what if I don't think it's all that great. I, w- I was particularly frustrated by the the voice acting and like even though they, they, they do do this cool thing where like they basically do like an alternate assembly of the Avengers where like w- what feels like an anthology series comes together in like where all the all the various characters cross over for the finale. Mm-hmm. That was that was like a cool idea. But the the overall execution I wasn't super impressed with and the the impact that and and connectivity that this has with the overall mcu is like next to nothing you know like it's Mm. it's basically like this essentially exists in other multiverses and timelines but like and and maybe sets up like characters that you could see you know in in the mcu like captain carter and like the dark version of of dr strange and whatnot but Mm -hmm. the it's it's not important for you to keep up with Okay. All right. That's good to know. Um, so I'm not sure what Peter's going to be all, uh, out tomorrow. So I'm not sure if we're going to have an episode then. I'm pretty sure we're not going to have an episode on Monday because Monday is a, a holiday. Um, Tuesday, I kind of feel like we should do sort of a deep dive spoiler thing on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Brad, do you want to come back for that if, if you can squeeze it into your schedule? Yeah, I'd be down. Okay. All right. Because so maybe I'm, I'll try to. It looks like I'm one of the few people who actually really enjoys Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. So. Oh wow. Okay. All right. So there, there we go. I'm <laughs> fingers crossed that I like it. I'm going to see it tonight. So we'll see what happens. But uh, all right. Um, you can find more about the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow, maybe, or Tuesday, if not tomorrow. Bye.